Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? This is Jordan from the Duck Gun Podcast. And alongside me tonight, we have Zach, the audio engineer, making his <laughs> debut back on the podcast. We're actually on the road right now, driving. Um, and for those of you that are watching the YouTube video, you can find the, the podcast video over there at Duck Gun Podcast on YouTube as well. I'll put a little clip of you know the whiteout conditions we are driving in, and we are heading down south to an undisclosed location. I guess we'll probably disclose it at some point, maybe. But you can say when you get to let them know. Yeah, yeah. So we are heading down. Hopefully, getting out of this snow soon. Um, but yeah, we're gonna do a podcast on the road. How are you doing tonight, Zach? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. The roads are terrible. I had a. Uh Three and a half hour drive to your house that turned into like four, four and a half. Lots of people spun out on the side of the road. So, yeah, you know, a little tired from that drive, but I'm excited for uh, what this trip has to come. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now I'm chaperoning you, driving you around <laughs> in a cush little duck hunting trip that we're taking. It's just like North Dakota again. <laughs> I know. I, I know. That's what, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So. Um, hopefully we shoot even more birds than we did in North Dakota. What do you yeah. think? <laughs> uh-huh. We'll, uh, we'll have to talk to the CEOs if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at like per day. But okay. That'll be hard. <laughs> even still. then, right. We could shoot, you know, eight cause we could shoot two till. We did that a couple right. of days at least. We shot two till and our, um, other ducks as well. I mean, mallards, pintail, gadwall, redheads. I'm trying to, yeah, we had a lot. Of, we had a good time in North Dakota. Hey, maybe on this trip we'll get our ducks and maybe some geese. I didn't bring any goose decoys, and I brought the decoys, so I'm going to say okay. that there's not a great chance of Probably, shooting yeah. geese. <laughs> maybe they'll fly over. You know, you never know. That's a very Michigan way of hunting <laughs> geese. <laughs> Just shooting the ones that fly. Oh, yards maybe over they'll come. <laughs> right. You know, in hindsight, we're it's too late now, but I feel like I should have brought some. Yeah, maybe, but I, yeah, too late. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. So we never know. We we don't know exactly what we're getting into. But the whole point of this trip was to try to get on some ducks. So, I mean, we could have not had to drive to shoot geese. <laughs> right. I was just telling you on my way here. I saw over a thousand in cornfields just feeding yeah. this yeah. evening. So this is like the cold front of the century. Not really, but cold front of the year. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. You know, not even every year do you get a cold front this severe, I would say. I mean, uh, polar vortex, I'd say we get it, you know, maybe one out of every three years where, you know, low pressure cell pulls all the cold de- cold air down from Canada and down into the mid region of the country. And that's exactly what it's doing this weekend, bringing uh, snowstorms, record cold temps. Maybe not even record. Well, like I'm, 
you know, I think I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it's a big drop. Right. It's going from like forties and fifties to like tens and twenties. That's what I'm trying to get at. It's like, yeah. we had the warmest December on record, according to Dr. Mike, which just had on the last podcast. If you didn't listen to it, you should. Uh, he said it ranked 129 out of 129, yeah. uh, that they have been keeping track of for the average temperature across the U S. So as an average temperature, the warmest one on record, um, and it goes from those kind of temperatures, like no migration, to uh, like next week in my house, um, I think on like Tuesday, uh, it's supposed to be like negative eight, like with a real feel of like <laughs> negative 30, you know what I mean? So uh, it's dropping like crazy. That's not a record, but like it's a, it's a record for this year. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the first big cold front that we've really had this year. Right. It just kind of sucks that everything's closed up north, but. Yeah. You know, these southern boys should get on them, so. Yeah, and we're going to join them, so. Oh, yeah. And by join them, we mean compete against them. <laughs> Probably get skunked. <laughs> Man, we hope not. We hope not. We're going to do our best not to not to do that. I have faith that we will shoot some some birds. Now, whether we limit and smack them, I don't know. We should mention that our um, buddy, Hunter, from the Duck Gun Podcast. I don't know if you know that's where he's from, but he's from the <laughs> Duck Gun Podcast. Yeah, I've heard that banner. <laughs> he's a not from. Times he's now. not from Iowa. Well, or he, he doesn't want to claim. I don't even know what the right word is, but anyways, he gives me a, he gives me a hard time because I'm like Hunter from Iowa. I haven't came up with a good nickname yet, um, but we'll we'll keep working on it. Maybe something will happen, you know, this year or this this trip, and and we can add that on there. But he is already in Kentucky. Getting to the point. That I was trying to make. He's already he's already in Kentucky. I did. Oops. <laughs> yep. He's already in Kentucky scouting. It's, there it is. It's out of the bag. We're going to Kentucky, and um, yeah, it seems like a good spot on the map. And he's putting boots on the ground. Um, I think he's called Uncle Buddy Jimmy as well. <laughs> Call back to his uh, overrated, underrated, and, and he said it was overrated to do that, but he's already done it. So right. Yeah, eating his words a little bit, <laughs> and now we're doing it, right? So, yeah, man, we got we got a ton of stuff to talk to, talk about on the podcast. It's going to be a good one, so stay tuned for all that, guys. Um, but let's get a quick word from our partners, and then we'll jump right into it. So, first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Weatherby. Weather makes some awesome shotguns for the waterfowl hunter. Um, they make the eighteen I, which is a great high end waterfowl shotgun. They make the Element. Um, that's more of their budget-friendly semi-auto shotgun. Um, they have the side-by-side, the Orion SSX, um, which I'm a huge fan of that one as well. Um, and people aren't using their turn signals, which is always great. So, uh, But anyways, they make some great shotguns for uh, the waterfowl hunter. If you're in the market for a duck gun this coming year, um, definitely consider Weatherby. Uh, they have been known for their excellence in rifles, and they are more and more being known for their excellence in waterfowl shotguns as well. So also like to give a big thanks to Onyx, because we've been using Onyx a lot this trip in preparation. We've had nights on the computer, um, screen sharing, the three of us. We actually live all in separate states and separate locations. We're able to jump up on there and share pins and text them to each other and 
and you know throw ideas to each other about places we should scout, places we should try to hunt, public land, this and that. And so um, it is an excellent tool for all that, sharing that information with your buddies when you're planning an out-of-state trip. Um, not only that, but the whole suite of tools that just make duck hunting uh, more efficient. So if you're not using it, you definitely should go over there to Onyx and check them out. Um, also, like to give a big thanks to Final Approach. Guys, Final Approach, as we speak right now, I don't know how long this sale is going to last, but they have their end of the sale, end of the year sale going on. I know a lot of you guys have been taking advantage of it because I've been, I get a little notification when you use my code. Um, people are using the Duck Gun code over there on FABrand.com. End of the year apparel sale. Um, I'm wearing, I mean, I'm wearing one of the new things right now, the puffy jacket in brown. They got it. They got it in camo, but actually that's out of stock. But they still got it in brown. This little puffy jacket is so warm and nice. It's, it's my favorite jacket of all time for, for duck hunting. Um, so they still have that in all the sizes they have. Um, they have the Branta uh, bibs. They have the Branta decoy gloves. They have, um, the, I can't remember what it's called, but they're a hard shell, waterproof jacket. Um, they have a whole bunch of their camo. All on like 50 to 75% off. Plus, you can use the code DuckGun and get your discount over there. So, all that being said, there's some some of the best prices you're probably going to ever see over there. And you're crazy if you don't jump on this opportunity and get yourself some awesome, high-quality hunting gear. FABrand.com. Use code DuckGun. All righty. Um, also, I'd like to give a big thanks to Motion Ducks. Guys, Motion Ducks, the jerk rig on steroids on those no-win days, those late-season birds, those wary birds, um, using that motion, using the ripples it makes in the set to finish more birds. Um, it is the premier tool for finishing birds when we have unfavorable conditions like I just talked about. Um, so check it out over there, guys. Sets up in minutes. Real easy to use. Um, if you go over to their website, go to motionducks.com slash duckgun, um, and you get the ultimate with the anchor bag, and also use the code DUCKGUN10 for 10% off uh, for your best complete deal doing both those. So, um, all righty. We ready for the episode? I got to ask you, Zach, do you know the mission of the Duck Gun Podcast? I couldn't relay it, but... Nah. <laughs> Nobody knows. I guess we just got to keep saying it. Yeah, like, you can't, what are the general ten, tenets of the Duck Gun podcast mission? It's conservation. It's getting uh, kind of spreading the uh, the sport. Yep, getting new hunters right. involved, yep. educating them. Education, that's the word I was looking for. Entertainment. Enter- yeah. That's why we bring guys full of life like you as guests on the podcast. <laughs> you know, so entertainment education, and then conservation. So, uh, guys, if you can do us a favor, share this podcast with your buddies. Uh, help us to have a stronger voice in all those things, uh, and we definitely appreciate it. So, um, yeah. So, what are we going to talk about, man? I don't know. What yeah. do you want to talk about? You didn't get the outline I emailed to you? Yeah, I think I missed that one. I um, mean, probably while you're driving. So, <laughs> I forgot I said I was going to make, I got to record a little a little video here. So, um, let's talk about your season, man. How was your season? I had a uh, phenomenal season, actually. So, um, there was lack of migration, and I think that that was felt kind of across the country. Um, but, you know, in spite of that, I harvested more birds this year than I have any other year so 
Was that partly because of like you hunted more than ever, or actually hunted less this year than I did last year? Um, I had a phenomenal teal season, so usually I don't get too many teal in Michigan. Um, but I found a spot, and it produced birds. Produced three limits one weekend and two limits the next weekend. So I had a phenomenal teal season um, for our two weeks of teal season here in Michigan. You mean like three, as in like a th- like three man or like three days of limits? Three days of limits. Okay. Awesome. So it was two man for every single hunt, but so f- uh, ten limits total. Sure, sure. So yeah, phenomenal teal season. Um, much better than I usually have in Michigan, and then. Obviously, went to North Dakota, um, had a phenomenal time there in North Dakota, and I found a little, I'm going to get some flack for this, little timber hole, all right? It's the closest thing to flooded timber we have in Michigan. Would you call it tree timber? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so, it's like a 20 by 30 yard opening in the trees, and it's flooded about 100 yard radius all the way around, um, and there were tons of acorns dropping in it, and so there were a ton of wood ducks uh, using it to eat in, to feed in. Um, and then there were some mallards going in there too. And so we had three weekends straight of um, pretty close to three-man limits every single weekend of wood ducks and a couple bonus mallards. So I think personally I harvested close to 40 birds out of this one spot um, over three weeks. So it was a really good, really good find. Um, nobody else hunted it, so it was super cool way back in in the timber um it was actually a mile walk from any parking lot so had an awesome time there and then uh i'm from southeast michigan so we got lake erie lake huron and lake st Clair. um that is kind of known for for diver hunting and i kind of got that figured out this year so we did really good on divers um usually we shoot a bunch of buffalo head but this year we shot a lot of bluebills redheads um and the big thing that we figured out was old squaw so I think we had multiple old squaw limits, um, and actually on the, the late split this year, we managed to get 27 old squaw, uh, and 21 of them were stud drakes. So nice. it was, yeah, it was a really good season. Um, early season had awesome diver hunts, uh, late season had, or sorry, early season had awesome puddle duck hunts, late season, awesome diver hunts. The one thing I never got on was mallards. I went, this is the first season in years that I didn't shoot a mallard limit once. Mm. So, Yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah, I'm definitely craving some green heads cupped right. up in the hole. Well, hopefully, I mean, may, there's still a chance, right? We got, we right. Got, this is uh, going to be a short little two-day trip, impromptu. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe we can get her done then. Um, but, you know... Um, what what would you see? What would you say? Kind of your keys to success were because it's like you said, most people struggled. It was a a, a struggle of a year on the migration, um, but you know, you said you shot more birds than than previous years. Right. So, I mean, what what would you do to? What did you do to accomplish that? It's just scouting. I put in more time this year scouting, um, and then I scouted the the spots that kind of get overlooked. So a lot of guys when you, when you talk about scouting, they'll go to the same you know five, ten spots that they always go to, that everybody goes to. Um, but when there's, you know, we're a breeding zone in Michigan, so all these birds kind of, a lot of them are locals. Um, so when we don't get that cold weather, they don't leave. They get really stale, and they go and they find these little holes. And if you can find those holes that nobody else touches, I mean, it's it's a gold mine. So I put in a lot of time scouting. 
Um, you know, a lot of the spots, it's it's a mile walk in. It's something that a lot of guys don't want to do, but the birds are there and they are dumb when they're in those holes. Right. Yeah. That's 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 definitely a, a great way to get after them. You know, finding places that most people aren't willing to put the work in to go to, or they're overlooked. Um, you know, that's definitely something that I, I do myself. Uh, a lot. You know, a lot of my spots are. Um, you got it. I mean, we both live in populated areas yeah. and when you live in populated areas, there's the spots everybody knows. And like, honestly, those spots are like, they're not good. Right. They're just not, I don't understand like why people are just content with continuing to go back to them. I think the thing is like, they're good. The only time they're good is like, like days like today where it's like a flight exactly. day or a migration or, or something like that. Because as soon as they get in there, they get down, they're gone. And I mean, that's how I started. You know, I went to the three or four spots that everybody knew and um you know obviously like people aren't afraid to tell you these spots because well they're just overrun anyway <laughs> yep so everybody knows about them right so here's here's a, a spot you can go you know that's what I, kind of the spots i got told um but then later on you know especially using tools like onyx i mean you just scour the map and i mean it's actually insane how many pins i got i'm sure you're about the same way yep. um and you can just <laughs> every little thing that you you see on every pin and um i'll have times where i take a, a trip in the off season and go around to like five to ten of these spots whether they're public land or even like private land or like in michigan where it's public water but private access right. and you just go around to all the pins and um, try to you know get permission or scout them out for the public and uh, public spots and and get it nailed down because during season you know you don't want to waste your time going to these spots that um, aren't going to be huntable or don't like you know aren't aren't as good as what you thought on the map um, and then during season you can be more efficient with your scouting and actually go to the ones that that matter but it's like it's like with spots oh man as soon as you get them you lose them kind of thing or as soon as you think you have a spot all to yourself um somebody else finds it too and you got other hardcore guys that are on the map and um and yeah so it's like you never can have too many duck hunting spots oh never one of my favorite things to do in the off season actually uh, our squirrel season lasts till i think it's march 31st maybe it's march 1st um but i'll go squirrel hunt them after season and i'll just go walk around and scout all these little ponds that are way off uh in the woods somewhere um that are kind of hard to access and you know you get eyes on these little ponds um especially if you go later in the in the our squirrel season um when it starts to thaw you know you get those birds that are coming back you figure out which ones those those birds are using and you know kind of where to go um towards the end of summer before your season starts to actually put some boots on the ground and figure out if those birds are there um during the season definitely definitely any uh any other lessons learned from from uh your successful season? Um No, shoot, man. That's, shoot. You only learned one thing. Yeah, that's it. Just one thing. Uh don't be picky. That's one. If you have a rough season, I mean, you know, like I love shooting mallards, don't get me wrong, but if there's no mallards around, like I'm going to be versatile. I'm going to go hunt divers or I'm going to go hunt wood ducks. Like you you kind of 
I don't know how to how to put it. You got to right. be like mod, modular. Modular is not the right word, but <laughs> fluid. Fluid, yeah. You got to be willing to try try something new. Right. Yeah. Be flexible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can agree with you on that. Like when the birds are there, like maybe you prefer hunting ducks over geese, right? Um, there's some people who prefer hunting geese over ducks. What, which one do you prefer, Zach? I like ducks. Yeah, I'm the same way. I prefer shooting ducks um, over geese, but I'd probably prefer like geese over like you know bufflehead or something. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's like, but if that's all, if you're scouting, that's all you find. You know, uh, I think that you can find joy and excitement and and have success um, going after you know the birds the bird you find you know some people would say like every wood duck shot is a mallard flared what, what would you say about that you know but that's still a wood duck down <laughs> <laughs> they still i mean they still taste just as good yeah, you, you killed something they're almost as pretty i mean they might be actually better looking than a mallard i think a wood duck is prettier than a mallard yeah especially would... a drake but even a hen wood duck is almost prettier than a drake mallard right i mean a mallard is pretty darn good looking too so it's not like we're talking about like gadwall or something <laughs> gray ducks yeah but and, no we we had a, a couple hunts this year where it's like all right so we can go shoot two bufflehead and maybe a bluebill or redhead or we can go shoot five mercs and probably a couple of old squaw it's like well i'm gonna go shoot my merc limit which i'll probably get <laughs> flack for that too but you know if i can guarantee a merc limit yeah, I'm gonna pick that over maybe getting two birds for the for the day. My only problem with that, I guess either one of them is not the best tasting, but like like you can't really like eat a merg and I mean you can't. I, I guess you. I could. disagree. You think they taste that good? It. So it's like cooking a deer, right? You're not gonna cook the deer leg like you cook a backstrap. So with mergs and a lot of the bufflehead and bluebills and stuff, I like throwing them in a crock pot and shredding them, and that's what I do with almost all my divers. Man. You throw them in mac and cheese, you throw them in tacos, like they taste just fine. <laughs> really? Yeah. A merg tastes just fine. I should have brought some. I literally right now have shredded merganser and old squash sitting in my freezer. Oh. I throw it in mac and cheese. That's my lunch during when yeah, I'm Yeah, man, I bet you could like like pack them together and bread them and make them into some fish sticks. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, they don't taste fishy. They do. Okay, well, maybe I'm just cooking it wrong. I, I'm, yeah. Have you ever taken a merganser and shredded it? Um, no, no. Maybe that's your problem. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I just don't shoot. Like I used to, like when I was uh, when I was a little bit younger and a little bit more itching to pull the trigger. Then yeah, I would shoot the mergs that came in. Uh, I haven't shot a merg, a common merg, in. Oh man, that was probably five, six years now. So every once in a while I'll shoot a, a hoodie because they're just pretty looking birds. But, uh, yeah. I shoot Drake hoodies all the time. Yeah. I think they taste like like a candy. buffle head. Or not like candy, <laughs> but they're not that bad. They're not that bad. Commons, okay. commons are bad if you cook them up, like like if you just take the breast and cook it on the grill or something. Right, skin but, on? No, it's not skin <laughs> on. <laughs> skin on like a steak? Yeah, skin on, you know, smoke it for a little bit. That's, yeah. <laughs> Tastes like fish like steak. Fish. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I wouldn't say that you really you're gonna stick with they taste just as good as a mallard. I never said they taste as good as a mallard. I said they're palatable. Like they're not bad. They're palatable. <laughs> they're palatable. They're edible. You can if you shred them, 
if I shredded a merganser, crockpot for like four hours, shredded it, and I shredded a mallard, I don't think I'd take, taste the difference. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, this uh, kind of reminds me of a funny story because um, there was uh, this kid that was in my youth group. He was like uh, maybe like three, four years older than me. And he always was doing something crazy, something, um, honestly, most of the time funny, unless you were an adult, then you're probably like, oh my goodness, this kid's doing, <laughs> doing this. Um, but one year we went, we always went to church camp for a week growing up. And one year this kid, um, decided to eat a glow stick. <laughs> so he, he cracked it open and, um, swallowed the glow stick like swallowed the liquid inside of it his mouth was like all glowing yellow and and uh that can't be good for you right right well it said uh, i think it said on so anyways the story goes after that then he threw up and his throw up was glowing in the dark too and everything but like um like the story goes then afterwards um we always have the thing at our church growing up too where you like talk about you know in front of the church like what you learned that year. And he said he learned that uh, just because it says non-toxic doesn't mean that you can swallow, swallow it. So, you know, just because, you know, mergansers are palatable doesn't mean we should go, uh, you know, eat them like we eat mallards. There's right. The, and I'm not arguing that you should eat them like you eat mallards. Right, right. But there's ways you can prepare them where they taste just sure. fine. So I, I maybe I'll have to do that for you. Maybe no, yeah. I'll make a crock pot uh, with mallards and with mergs and see if you can tell I'm, the difference. I'm definitely down to try that. So we'll some some point we'll we'll have that happen. Definitely. Cause yeah, if the if they're going slow on on mallards or for layout hunting, I'm, I'll go shoot some mergs. So what what percentage of waterfowl hunters do you think have shot an old squall? That's a good question. I don't know. It's so. To put it in perspective, I've been looking for an old squaw for five years. Like, I've been trying to target old squaw for five years now. And this year's the first year I connected. And as soon as I shot my first one, I shot, I don't know, I shot just under 40 this year. But, I don't know, I'd probably say 5% of waterfowlers have killed an old squaw. So, honestly, I think it was the the last duck that I kind of learned about, right? I knew what puddlers were, like, when I first started, right? So... If you're a newbie, duck hunter, you might not know what an old squall is. Well, the first thing I learned about was mallards, right? You've seen them at the park your whole life. Um, and then, like, maybe, like, wood ducks. You've seen them in paintings. They're always in, like, fancy paintings at restaurants or, or stuff like that, right? So then I kind of learned, like, oh, there's other kind of, like, I, honestly, I was mind-blown when they're, like, people said, no, there's other kind of ducks besides the mallards. Right. Right, it's like as a someone that doesn't hunt, you're like, really? There's other ducks that go quack that aren't mallards. <laughs> well, no, they actually whistle. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so then you start to learn about all the puddlers. Honestly, it's super cool when you first start learning about duck hunting, and you have to like learn all this information. It's like, oh, there's like these baby ducks they call blue wing teal, and they like <laughs> migrate first, and and they fly off the continent down. Uh, to tropical climates, and then we got like wood ducks, and they live in the trees, and they nest in the trees, and um, they whistle, and they're beautiful, and and they taste better than just about any other duck. Um, then you got pintails, they're like the unicorn of ducks. They're very, at least in our area. I know it's like this is not specific to everybody's area, but ours, you know, it's it's like the unicorn. You never see them. Barely anyone shoots them. 
Um, and if someone does, you ask them and they tell you the story and like, you know, uh, so pin, you know, super highly sought after. And then, you know, the list goes on and on. Obviously you see a lot of Canada's growing up, but then you learn what there's speckle belly geese too. And, <laughs> right? and snow geese. And it's like, man, it's just so much to, to, to learn as a duck hunter. Man, I'm kind of, uh, forgetting where I'm going with, Oh, back Sorry, to old school. Yeah. Right. So then, uh, Oh yeah. And then you, you hear about sea ducks and divers and like, okay, so they're ducks that prefer to be in deep water. Um, and then I thought I knew everything about ducks and turned out that I had never heard about old squall. So um, tell us tell us uh, very scientifically about old squall, Zach. I actually have a, a uh, fact that I learned this year. Okay, let's hear it. Um, old squall are the most vocal duck. Oh, okay. Like, they're more vocal than ballards. Yeah. They talk back and forth all the time. You'll go out there um, before light, and you'll hear them. Uh, the noise they make, it's called a bark. It's I'm going to do it and probably get laughed at, but it's like a... <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like a seal? It, yeah, kind of like a seal, but a little bit deeper. But, um, yeah, and then it's super cool because you'll have your decoys out, and um, old squaw calling isn't a big thing. I know one guy that has an old squaw call, and I don't know if it really makes a difference or not. But when they're coming into your decoys, I mean, they're just barking like crazy. Like every two seconds, they're barking again, barking, barking, barking. And it's really cool. They're super vocal birds. Um, They're really responsive to decoys. Uh, You know, one of the cool things, I think, they're kind of like the pintail of the diver world, I'd say, being that they have that long sprig. Mm -hmm. Um, They're considered trophy birds in a lot of aspects, especially here in the Midwest because they're, you know, basically the only sea duck that we get that's um more or less common around here we get some scoters and stuff uh but old squaw um you know they they live on the great lakes um but they're super unique bird uh a lot of times they live far out in the great lakes so on a couple of the hunts that we went on um were eight ten miles offshore um and you can they're dumb birds so a lot of times we don't even lay out hunt them you'll just sit in your boat and throw uh, a line of decoys off the transom and you'll shoot limits that way but they're really cool birds um they are dumb but they like decoy beautifully they're super vocal they're really fun to hunt nice yeah and they're really definitely a cool looking duck too so and another fact um they're the deepest diving of the ducks too right yep, yep. they'll dive i think it's up to like three four hundred foot um and I know if you cripple one, it's like when they poke their head up, you get one shot. Otherwise, they'll dive and they'll poke up 300 yards away. Right. And they'll just keep swimming 300 yards, and you're not you're not finding them at that point. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, they dive super deep. They hang out in, in deep water, far offshore. Um, they're pretty elusive unless you have a boat that you're able to get out on, on big water with. Um, but right. they're, they're really cool-looking birds, um, you know. They're just they're sweet birds, and they're one of the only sea ducks that I can regularly hunt here in Michigan. Right, right, and I think the thing about it, we talked about how a very small percentage of hunters have actually um, bagged one, and right. it's it's not like these divers come into like prairie marshes or anything like that. As far as I know, you know, you only hear about people shooting them on like really big water. Um, but yeah, do you, where do they migrate from the Great Lakes? Do they just hop straight from uh, Lake Michigan or Lake Erie to the ocean, or, or what? Uh, a lot of them actually winter on the Great Lakes. Okay, so they'll winter on like Huron, Michigan, and Erie. 
Um, I know a lot of them come up from uh, Superior, and I think there's even some that come up from Hudson Bay up in Canada, but don't quote me on that. But yeah, they, they, they winter on the Great Lakes, so they'll be there pretty much uh, year-round. Mm. But it, it's really cool. I, I have a lot of buddies that um, do a lot of walleye fishing and salmon trolling, and uh, they say in the springtime when they're going out there, um, especially running some of the, the rivers in southeast Michigan, the bigger rivers, um, you'll be, you can't go on plane in your boat because you'll just be smoking old squall the whole way out. Jeepers. Yeah, it loads up on that big water, so. At what time of the year? Springtime. Oh, okay. Yep. So they're, they're starting to migrate back, uh, back north. But yeah, I think, I think a lot of them, um, they, they spend their entire lives on the Great Lakes. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Definitely uh, an awesome duck to to get after. I've got to do it one time, layout hunting, and and uh, we shot some drakes. We shot we shot some. We didn't have outright banger or anything, but um, you know we actually shot quite a few mergs too. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the most mergs I've ever shot in a day um, was that was that day as well. So seems like usually if you can find the mergs, the old squaw aren't too far too oh, far nice. away. So nice. Awesome. Any other lessons learned from season? So far we got scout more than you hunt, or maybe not more. Well, was it more than you hunt? Not more than you hunt. Okay. Scout a lot. Scout. Increase your scouting to increase your uh, in, increase your birds. Um, and don't be picky on the types of duck that you eat. Right. <laughs> I, I guess I have another one. It's uh, make every shot count. Make every opportunity count. So... It's easier said than done, right? Because a lot of times right. that boils down to your shooting percentage. Yeah. But, you know, there's there's some days where I only saw 10 birds. But if I can pick off four or five of those 10 birds, then that's a that's a pretty good hunt. You right. Know? So if you don't have a lot of opportunity and you're not thinking that you're going to see hundreds of birds or thousands of birds on a hunt, you know, you, you got to make sure that you're your shot selection is good you're calling the right shots um and that you can make those opportunities count when they do present themselves right do you uh extend your shooting a little bit when it gets sparse uh yeah yeah it's it's got to be pretty sparse for me to start extending my shooting but um on one of our old squaw hunts we had merg limits and we're shooting them out to like probably 50 or 60 we would we would drop them too um, but your shooting definitely goes from like 50% down to like 30 or 20 and right. you're going through a lot of shells at that point. Yep. But yeah, I mean, you know, as much as I love to shoot them hovering at 10 yards, sometimes you got to shoot them passing at 30, you know? Right. Oh, I can agree with you on that for sure. I'm the, I'm the same way, you know, um, it's like a lot of times early in the morning you're seeing what they do. And if something's, like, wrong with your hide or the wind's just not right or, like, you know, little things like that, all of a sudden, um, you know, it just, it's just not going to be the, um, one of those days where they just hover right of the, over the decoys. So, yeah. Right. And I think, uh, you know, I, that happens with us when we're field hunting geese, too. You know, some days they'll, they'll cup up, they'll kind of give us a look, and then at, you know. 40 50 yards they'll peel off or whatever it's like if you got six guns i mean say shoot the left bird or whatever and if everybody's shooting at the same bird a lot of times you can down it so there there's times to extend your shooting 
the one thing I'll say is I never take longer shots on birds um, if there's if it's a big group of birds because you're just educating that big group of birds. <coughs> so if you me. got you know five or less that are coming in, then yeah, you can extend your range to to you know 35, 40 yards if you need to. But if there's you know 50 that are trying to decoy, I'm not going to shoot unless they're in my lap because I don't want to educate that big big of a group of birds right. just makes it harder for the next guy would you uh you know <clears throat> i have a hard time advocating like extending your range like outside of 40 you know what i mean just in general right. like i get it sometimes it's going to happen some people are okay with doing that but I, I you know one thing i would say is if you're going to do that too i would definitely like if you're if you're going to take those further shots i would definitely recommend like bismuth you know instead of still so um, I know that you're probably shooting still. But. I shoot still. <laughs> you got to know your shots. Like if I think I can hit a bird at 50, I don't do it often, but you know, I'll, I'll take that shot. But if it's like, there's no way, then I'm not going to take that shot. Cause the last thing I want to do is cripple a bird. Right. Right. So it's like, you got to be smart about it. You got to know what your, your limitations are. So I don't take many, um, shots that are beyond 40, um, but those I do, I, I make a point to um, make sure that I can get that that bird down. Right, right. And kind of to rehit back on your on your original point, you talked about like being like being proficient, pretty much. You know, I call right. it having like killer instinct because you see some people. And when I was when I was first starting off, I keep jumping back to like being a beginner hunter, and you know that's fine. We definitely have a lot of beginner. Um, hunters that come on the podcast because like you know one of the main things is learning about waterfowl and i was you know same way learning from podcasts so um when i was a beginner man i was almost like scared to like break the silence you know what i mean <laughs> yeah like i was like man like it was so foreign to me to like be out in a public area like out in the water and then like that first boom man it just it only it like breaks the silence it, it breaks the like serenity of like being out in creation to to some degree like that's right that's how i feel anyway um so yeah it uh it it, it's like uh you got to be like proficient you got to have that killer instinct and it's something that took a little bit of time with me to like get to that point where it's like when these first birds like i need to be looking at my watch and as soon as that first light comes as soon as that minute changes um, if you got birds flying, you got birds you know, like be on your toes because that first ten minutes can be like the, you know, or as soon as they fly. Sometimes it takes them ten minutes to start flying, but like as soon as that time hits, though, you got to take all the chances you get. And, and like you know, um, especially as a new hunter, a lot of times we our success is built around like the number of birds we harvest right because we go out there we Mm -hmm. have this goal we have this mission we're trying to be better trying to put the decoys in the right spots the choosing where to put the spinner if we put out a spinner at all putting the motion ducks cranking the motion ducks you know all this kind of stuff um to like shoot more birds so it's like you know there's nothing wrong with having that desire to uh shoot your limit you know um all that being said you know kind of kind of tagging on to your your original point but um, you know, like I said, I call it having like killer instinct. These birds come in and you're going to be ready for them. You're going to pounce on them. You're, you're tense. And as soon as they come, you know, shoulder your gun. And if they're only going to finish to 30 yards and that's what you got for the day, you know, take your shots. You learn pretty quick. Um, not only that, but like 
hey, if they're not doing it and they're not going to do it here, and bam, you got some birds right away that land like, you know, 100 yards away, like make that move right away. Um, and it only takes like one or two times of me seeing that where I'm willing to be like, okay, third time's probably going to be the same. Not necessarily, but it's probably going to be. So uh, all those things get built into being like quick and mobile and having that killer instinct. Right. It's all a, uh, it's, it's a learning game, right? So if you're a newer hunter, um, you know, you, you pick up little things here and there along the way and you have to apply those things and you'll have more success. Um, but even for, um, hunters that have been, uh, doing it for, for a while, you know, you have to adapt during a hunt. So, you know, you might want to shoot birds at 15 yards, but if they're finishing at 30, well, I got to start shooting at 30, especially if you see two, three groups do that right in the morning. It's like, well, those are the shot opportunities I'm going to get. So either I got to, you know, adjust the decoys or adjust the height or try to get them in a little bit closer, um, or work with what I got and, and take those 30 yard shots. So it's duck hunting is all about, um, adapting and doing exactly what the birds, the birds want. Right. So one of the big takeaways I actually had, um, a couple years ago, um, from you is, move I, I was never mobile before i would set up and if the birds weren't there they weren't there you know if they're going down 200 yards away i'd throw a pin and maybe try it the next day um but then that that first hunt i went on with you you wanted to pack up and go ahead a little bit further down uh the river that we were hunting um and we never did but i kind of took that note and i applied it later and it works so don't be afraid to you know pick up your decoys call an audible at your first spot and go move and be where those birds want to be because if you can be you know on the x or you can be exactly where those birds want to um set down then you are going to have way better success than trying to um pull them off their flight path um into your decoys definitely yeah that second day we actually did move i don't know if you remember that but yeah we did yeah it was uh it was a haul though to like <laughs> get through that crab it was like we bit off a little bit more we chew could chew um but we got in there we shot some mallards in that other hole so that was nice uh, but you know i will the only caveat i'll add to that with the moving thing and i'm definitely a fan of that but um is you got to know the day too because some days like there ain't going to be very many ch- birds or very many chances like maybe you know yeah. Maybe like you scouted, and I'm the kind of guy where we got we got two kind of two kinds of hunters, right? The ones that scout it and say, "Ah, there's no birds here," or there's like there's only like 15 mallards here. Like I'm sleeping in, you know what I mean? Or there's a guy, well, I this is the the most birds I found, and I'm hunting on Saturday because that's what I do in duck season. I hunt Saturday every Saturday, I try to find my best option. If I find it, you know, and then you go in, right? And so you set up, there's 15 mallards. Chances are, especially if they're all coming at first light, you know, again, you got to know the scenario and everything. You might not be able to move in time. And maybe the only chance you're going to get is three, like group three and group four, maybe give you a chance and, and skirt you at 30 yards or whatever. It's not perfect. And you take notes and learn, you know, moving forward. But um, if you would have moved on, on, flock number two you know you would have missed three and four because they flew in while you're getting ready so it's it's a tough it's tough because there's so many small things in duck hunting um that it's hard not it, it's rarely perfect but every once in a while you get a hunt where you're in the right spot from the get-go your hide's great your de- you pick the right number of decoys you pick the right 
type of motion. You've you got your motion going. Nobody gets seen. The birds just want it, you know. And and those are the hunts we live for all season long. And it happens, you know. It does happen, like you know. It's <laughs> on a year like this with not very many fresh birds. Uh, it does feel like a unicorn to find like a, a good hunt like that. But uh, I've had a handful, and and um, yeah, and I've had uh, a handful that weren't great too. So. It's all trial and error. Right. And don't be discouraged by, you know, all the pile picks that you see on social media. Everybody has those hunts where you only shoot a couple of birds. And right. I mean, when like when I was in college, like we did nowhere near as good as I do now. I still having a fun time, you know, learn to enjoy it for the sport, not for harvesting as many birds as you can. Obviously you're there to, to shoot birds, right? But like enjoy those one, two bird days, make the best of it. Um, Cause you will have your success eventually but you know take time kind of take notes of everything that you're doing learn along the way and uh adapt accordingly but you know enjoy those those days that might not be as successful as the the pictures that you see on social media do you ever uh, feel like the guys that like listen to this podcast in like places like Nebraska are like these guys are crazy? <laughs> every day is successful. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, they just come in every time. What are they? What are they talking about? Like hide? Who hides? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you bring calls? Just mouth call. <laughs> <laughs> who does that? Huh? Ma- who mouth calls? Oh, you know, I know people that mouth call. Oh, okay. Uh huh. I didn't know if you're specifically talking about one one person. No. Oh, okay. I know who you're talking about, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, our buddy Hunter. He mouth calls all the uh, time. Uh-huh, yeah. Yep. Well, he's pretty much there in the central flyway. Right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I think we can go ahead and uh, wrap this one up. So, I appreciate you jumping on with me, Zach, on our trip. I will give you, you know, here's a little update. Um, we've been driving for um, about an hour. And so far, we've trimmed off 20 minutes of our driving hey, time. That's, that's positive. <laughs> wow. We only started an hour late. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This day has not been going to plan. So uh, when we left, we were supposed to be getting there about 11. Now it says we're getting there at 1140. So, um, yeah. If we weren't an hour late, I think that we would uh, be further along. And now all this is turning to the rain is turning to snow. Um, so, but stay tuned guys. The next podcast episode, we'll be talking to Hunter, talking about the scout, talking about our plan and prediction for, um, the hunt, you know, the type of habitat we'll be hunting, all that kind of cool stuff. Um, so it's going to be another fun, uh, podcast episodes from the road hunting trip edition, um, to close out the duck season, probably for me this time for real. So (laughs) I think I've said that a few times and I just keep getting in the truck and chasing ducks so i just i just don't want it to end <laughs> i but. feel that Alrighty, uh guys do us a favor remember the mission of the podcast all right the mission of the podcast is to educate new hunters and old hunters alike but mostly you know we got the education for the new guys coming into the sport um and then not only that but we want to entertain you we want we want to have a good time um, with you guys and, and share all our fun stories and fun adventures. Um, just have some entertainment all around duck hunting. Not only that, but we don't want to just give. We want to, or not, we don't want to just take. We want to give. Uh, you know, I recently joined a Ducks Unlimited club and they're, they're pretty active in, in the stuff they do. So I've been, uh, being a part of that, you know, find a club, whether it's Ducks Unlimited or Delta. Um, it'll be 
uh, great. You know, there's there's not enough that we can do when it comes to uh, conservation. You know, and so I love having those kind of guys on the podcast too that that share that interest um, and desire to to see duck hunting and this sport continue on and the heritage of that continue on as well. So uh, do us a favor, share the podcast with a buddy. Um, that way uh, we can have a stronger voice and all those things. Um, that's all I got for today, guys. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun, ha- Duck Gun, Duck Gun Chronicles. I don't know why I always screw up names. but uh, <laughs> And we got Zach from Michigan, the audio engineer, and we'll see you guys on the next one.